0: To another episode of decode I'm joined with my co-host young agamben hello and we have an awesome guest here today elliot rosenstock who a lot of you may know from the twitter sphere um so elliot i'm happy to actually have you on the podcast uh this has been long in the making i feel like we've talked to you about this almost like a year back if not more and so yeah <laughs> it's been a while this is
1: like very common with people on on Twitter. It's like, oh, we should do a podcast. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, we should do a podcast. I think I still have like three non-existent podcasts in yeah. the like in the ether. But this one is this one's actualized. It's went from the realm of possibility to a real interpersonal interaction. So now we're gonna we're gonna expand some concepts for everybody and contribute to world spirit undoubtedly. <laughs>
0: So um hopefully, hopefully that's the case. Maybe uh, so, Elliot. I've known you um, at least parasocially for quite some time. Um, I think, like Young had mentioned, I think the first time that I caught drift of you was through that uh, Facebook meme page. So, um, right. I guess would you like to give the for those who don't know you <laughs> directly from Twitter? Would you like to give some of those um, in the audience a little bit of background about yourself?
1: Right. I made this Facebook page. The thing about Facebook is it really lets you just administratively be dictatorial and Mm -hmm. with no feedback whatsoever in like juking the algorithm, which is not like Twitter. Twitter, you actually like have to like kind of communicate with people. But I decided to make anarcho-acceleration as means for egoist teens, which kind of is just like a lot of different signifiers all at once, just because Twitter had like (laughs) the Excelosphere in like some anarchist practice uh, or praxis and Sterner and all that. And I was kind of interested in that. So I, so I made this. And the, another thing I made was a Freud group. So this is like the other mm-hmm. thing I do on the facebook.com and that, that was over a hundred thousand people at one point before Facebook shut it down. Um, <laughs> And now it's, now it's like a 13,000 people or something like that. The
0: second version. Oh, yeah. um, do you have any, sorry to interrupt, do you have any relation yeah. to that like Zizek page? Um, what is it called? Something about like Zizek memes. That one's pretty big too. I don't know if you.
1: No, no, I don't actually have a Zizek meme page okay. specifically. Uh, <laughs> uh, that That's not me. There's there's uh, there's other people in the in the, it, it is like, you know, Twitter, you guys have like cool handles, but not everyone can be cool. For instance, I can't. <laughs> really be all that cool but I can be like relentlessly normy, and that's why (laughs) that's why I like thrive on Facebook which is it is like hardcore normcore relentless like this is my actual face and life and job and license number (laughs) like that that sort of vibe which is like there's something about it which is which is a little like it's unsettling it is like hyper normality um (laughs) But I do, like, I, I feel like this is more my wheelhouse. Wonder, I'd love to be, like, a Twitter poet, and I'd love to have, like, a cool handle. <laughs> but I, I'm literally incompetent. I
0: literally could not
1: do that. So I, wonder how I, much I respect of, everyone that can.
0: I wonder how much of it is, um, <laughs> how much it relates to your interest in egoism. Um, and- oh, yeah. I never thought of that. Normcore. Do
1: you think Normcore is specifically, like, egoistic, like, instead of an an egoic nick land once criticized something and he said i'm the bad diagonal he said the good diagonal is an egoic capitalism and then he shared something i said and he said this is the bad diagonal which, <laughs> is, ego, which is like egoist socialism he also shared yeah. one thing he also compared me to he called me and richard spencer in the same tweet both leftists and then <laughs> caused them to argue so he, he just said he says weird stuff but but he's also That's kind his of favorite a, thing, yeah. He's
0: also kind of a if we're talking about like weird posting techniques, I, I guess Nick Land is he's like the he's like synthesizes certain aspects of uh boomer Facebookism and transports mm-hmm. it to Twitter, um, which gets him a lot of reactions, um, but it's kind of uh, it's, it's kind of synthetic in the same way that like Justin Murphy um, like you can tell that he like puts effort into making his tweets bait yeah right? he's a big
2: baiter a masturbator you could say <laughs>
0: um, but yeah um, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about your um, about your books in terms of uh, you've written uh, some works with Zero yeah. um, I know that you have uh Zizek in the clinic, and then, uh, forgive me, I I should know, it's, I should have, I, I should have had the name written down, but.
1: It's, it's the ego and its hyper state is the second one.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, right? I, I mean, the Zizek in the clinic was all about just applying contemporary mm-hmm. philosophy to clinical work, which is not really done. Like a lot of the people, I was uh, Doug Lane's new channel, so I don't do anything with zero anymore. I I don't even, I barely do anything with Doug Lane anymore, honestly, but I would do some, maybe he'd publish me in the future. I was trying to apply basic kind of modern philosophy or contemporary philosophy to the clinic, which is, nobody needs to do that who's on Twitter. Everybody is into modern contemporary philosophy. But if you Mm -hmm. go into clinical mental health, It's the exact opposite. It's like common sense, pure ideology everywhere. And people are uh, given this as kind of uh, standard mental health. Uh, There is no real critique of therapy. The kind of statement about therapy is, oh yeah, it's good to go to therapy. Um, But there's this problem once you're kind of determining what is mental health for people. Uh, And if you do have a good uh, understanding of Uh, contemporary psychoanalysis and philosophy i would argue you can provide a lot better treatment than if you give common sense ideology in the form of thoughts feelings and behavior which is the cbt model Um, right so i I, i'm really encouraging clinicians to apply uh to apply this and i and i think with theory people i'm trying to like remind them especially like delusians as well which is there is like actual mental health practice that is not going away like right. for instance like i totally get the critique of like i don't need therapy and i'm not going to think in terms of mental health because mental health the mental health paradigm societally has uh, like a you know like a <laughs> like a, mm-hmm. i can't even pretend to be nick lander so i was like like a black tensicle. whatever fuck that i'm not good at that <laughs> i'll let i'll let all the cool people do that uh but the mental health paradigm has absolutely kind of destroyed the philosophical paradigm uh, in terms of what does consciousness consist of. Um, My wife just sent me like uh, 20 minutes ago, she sent me a meme just like, oh, I'm sick of this mental health identity about like ADHD. It's like, this is something (laughs) you have to know about ADHD people. And it's like, this is a lot of it's like human condition repackaged into identity Right. made kind of childish and this is like our understanding of the human subject which is a big problem i get why people try to overcome the human subject but on the on, at the same time you should understand that people en masse are going into therapy and when they get there who are they going to talk to this is like mm-hmm. a question so you could say they shouldn't be going but there's like this fact that they are going uh so maybe we should kind of attend to uh, what mental health should consist of you know right so that's zizek in the clinic and that's kind of the ego and the hyperstate. they're both about that really so right in terms I of think, what is consciousness what is you
2: know i think that's one of the most interesting parts of your work generally is um you know we were kind of talking before the podcast that you have a very interesting relationship to theory generally because you have an active practice um, you right. know you you practice psychoanalysis you practice uh therapy and you apply these concepts uh in, in a very practical way um and i think one one thing that i want to ask you more about that i think you touch on a, a lot in especially the Zizek and the clinic is how do you see uh when we have this sort of modern day identitarian mental health that seems to be you know you, you can largely argue that a lot of the mental health crisis of today are the result of, you know, external social factors or, you know, just, just simply the type of world we live in. When, when you're looking at sort of the therapeutic approach, how do you see the relationship between these sort of big, big, you know, social ills such as, you know, capitalism and sort of just the modern day attention economy related to the individual mental health of the people that you're treating in the clinic.
1: Right. So if you have a groundwork of egoism, it's really important. I would say if you are doing community mental health work in a poverty area, I I, mm-hmm. I did community mental health work in South central LA um, oh, wow. with a lot of, with a lot of people that are getting free uh, mental health funded by the state. Some people right. are forced to be there, but a lot, of, a lot aren't. Um, and if you have an ego as groundwork uh, with somebody who's getting general relief and trying to live off of like 250 something a month plus food stamps, um, wow. it's a lot. I would say it's a lot better for them than saying, oh, you're fucking lazy. And so, on. <laughs> you know, in terms of this is how you actualize. Uh, it's like you need to pull yourself up by the bootstraps. You need to use these resources. If you don't use these resources, I can't help you. Uh, if you don't do the right thing with your family system, which has been violent for like 100 years or something like that, uh, then, you know, it's, that's on you. So it's e- the egoist approach is ironically like really anti what you would think of egoism because people tend to think of mm. egoism as that bootstraps mentality. Right, but in right. fact, I would say dialectical egoism, TM, not actually TM, but uh, di- dialectical <laughs> egoism, which, if you Google, you get some other book about Max Stirner. Um, anyway, <laughs> mm-hmm. maybe, maybe the Google will recognize that I'm like trying to create a system. One day, give it like fifty <laughs> years. Wait till my obituary, and Google will be like Elliot dialectical egoism, then, <laughs> then then I'll know the absolute uh, if the absolute registered it or not. But if you start with if you start with um, the ground of somebody's categorical immediate desire, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is why I was, I was thinking through virtue a lot and I said maybe we'll talk about virtue, but it's really hard for me to talk about Aristotelian virtue being grounded in Freudian psychoanalysis and dream theory because I kind of tend to think of the ground of intuitive desire or, or intuitive drive, which is to say the spoken you know, desire as, as it is articulated consciously, like the conscious posit. Yeah and that what is the reason that i'm articulating this now versus how do i then reflect before i speak and then act virtuously or something like that um so yeah if you work if you work with people based on this uh you get to a lot of a, a big you know different places like when i started working in south la like i would talk with people that were in, in you know the, in the gang so like la has mostly right. like crips and they have this one gang called the Hoover gang they wear mm-hmm. orange which is like the worst camouflage choice <laughs> yeah. like orange jesus anyway but yeah i mean if you talk to people based on their signifiers and what they're repeating and you ask the questions you get to the trauma you get to the violence of what they're going through yeah. um and that's that's the psychoanalytic egoist kind of like method right it's it's like a negative yep. method it's like I'm saying everybody has this, we have this intuitive desire, but then we like hit, hit the negative space. And that Mm -hmm. negative space is kind of the world, but also our other abstract values. And what do we do when we hit that negative space? Right. This is like, this is like the psychoanalytic moment or the kind of theoretical moment. I don't, I don't think like land or, um, Deleuze really has a, I don't actually know. Deleuze for me is like a big abstract negative. So I, I would have to say like Deleuze might do this. I don't know enough about Deleuze, mm-hmm. but in terms of what happens when you hit that kind of frustrating force, you know, right. Um, and in teaching people to, uh, to hit that negative and stay with the negative and mm-hmm. understand the absolute kind of correctness of what they decide of how to engage with that negative and teaching them this kind of process. That's like, that's, 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 that's how I kind of work with people. Right. Yeah. Which is, yeah. which is, di- which is different than saying, this is how the world should be. Yeah. Right. So yeah, clinical practice is a lot different because it's always, it's philosophy for the other. Right. Which is, so this is really weird, right? Cause this is not like what we, what like, Philosophy does. It's like, what is philosophy for me? But like, m- most of my mind, I'm paid to do philosophy for a second person, right? Right. Psychol. Well, actually, I'm paid to do psychology, but like I said it <laughs> in there. You yeah. Know? You know. You can't really get paid to do philosophy, but you. I always say no. to theory people. You know. <laughs> psych- psychology is a. You know, you don't have to be Albert Einstein to get into psychology. I'm just saying that's true anybody anybody (laughs) in the theory verse if you if you could if you could swing the educational cost or whatever it could be do therapy that's that's my second motive which is to like psyop people and to making a mass kind of underground (laughs) philosophy therapist movement (laughs) that's kind of that's like the hidden perverse goal you know
2: yeah Yeah.
1: do you see uh,
2: one one interesting uh one interesting thing that I, I've sort of uh, been reading over the past five years or so is this sort of switch in uh, uh, political philosophy, even, where uh, the idea of psychopolitics is becoming increasingly uh, right. prevalent, such as, you know, Beyond Le Han, but really uh, uh, even Mark Fisher, um, the idea of the sort of mental health sphere being also a political sphere, and right. I'm interested to hear, like, because of your experience, do you do you sort of have an interest in creating um, a, a politics out of this space that we're talking about this this psychological space, or do you see that as necessary, or do you do you have a different approach?
1: I would love if like AOC, Red Theory. <laughs> like if like some dominant figure under, like even attempted to do psychopolitics i think there's mm. like i think i don't know our our general our general kind of environment is a capitalist realist right. tm fragment pragmatic environment of how to make all the finances work so yeah it would be it would be really good if people were talking about how to navigate society and how to define what healthy mental health is because obviously that like determines what politics, if you look at like the trans debate, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this is like mental health is front and center with that. It's like, what right. is, what is, what is, what is being trans? Right. Right. Uh, and this is being trans and mental illness. Is it even worse? Is it something like antisocial personality disorder? Uh, mm-hmm. There are men in dresses and this, this sort of, and this is what you hear uh, from people, um, right? So this is how mental health is thought of as like the, the diagnosis paradigm. Yeah. This, this is also something I think I if you could take away one thing or like mental health like idea, which is there's there's diagnosis and you guys are great at diagnosis. I'm not so great at diagnosis. Strangely, diagnosis is exactly what you're talking about. This mm. sucks because it's right. this. Right, <laughs> I almost don't trust myself with diagnosis, but I like mm. I like to hear people that say all this is shit. I hate it, and this sucks, and it's actually this, right? <laughs> so that's that's like decode cast. I like I like that uh, <laughs> when you and, and then there's something besides diagnosis, right? Like mm. um, there's like articulating symptoms, like articulating the negative, or articulating pain. And this is kind of like the smaller, this is like my more modest, like focus, I would say. Mm. It's also probably why I'm not so cool. Like if, <laughs> it's like my <laughs> eye is kind of always on like this, this symptom articulation, right? I like to listen and hear a lot of feedback about societal diagnoses. Um, right. And I think I have like these hang, hang ups from Freud of the medical, the, the idea that you're a medical personnel. And you can't mm-hmm. do that to people, right? Uh, and I, I would, I would love if, if like, if if more therapist types thought of the diagnosis as like extremely dangerous and caustic in the mental health setting, right? Uh, but they don't, they don't. <laughs> it's like <laughs> so, yeah. It's it's it is thought of like dead, dead category. Like the DSM, like Hegel would, I don't know what Hegel would say about the DSM. Because this is like, it is like a list of categories and says, uh, if you fit this, then you're this category. It is like literally the definition of the dead Kantian category, right? Right. It, it that has no, it doesn't really interact. It doesn't really, you, you can't, what if it's like this, your ADHD affects your autism, yeah, but right. it's like be- becoming becoming ADHD, becoming autistic, right?
2: Right.
1: Like, <laughs> that would be much better. Actually, it's like ah, here's a moment where I was becoming ADHD. I couldn't focus. Here's a moment where I was right. become becoming autistic. You know, I had I was very sensitive to sound. Here's a here's a moment where I was like super excited, becoming manic. Here's a moment right. where I like you know, <laughs> but we do have this these kind of paradigms, uh, of like categories assignments and being which are like which are not great um
2: that's really interesting though i really like how you how you express that of this uh, this idea of becoming you know a certain diagnosis rather than it being such this this dead category and i think that speaks to um what you were saying earlier even about the psychopolitics of being trans like the idea that the dsm you know DSM four. I, I I'm not entirely sure if it was DSM four, but the idea that being trans was considered in this dead category, mentally ill, and simply right. considered mental illness. Gender now, dysphoria. Exactly, exactly. Like. Yeah, the gender dysphoria instead of being a uh, becoming trans, instead of a yeah, a, yeah. And I, I think that's a really interesting way to think about psychology outside of these dead categories because it really it really points to what psychology is in a sense that these drives are always becoming something
1: yeah dead dead categories are 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 bad diagnostics Mm. right it's not it's not like based decode cast diagnosing (laughs) it's like it's, it's more just like, here's what was the least controversial thing a bunch of rich fucking assholes could say and apply to people, which yeah. is obviously a terrible way to think of consciousness and philosophy and being, but nonetheless, that is that is the paradigm of the DSM, right, of the, so, yeah, basically everyone's fucked, but we, are, we already knew this, people are constantly fucked finding out yeah. why the dsm is fucked or why the mental model is fucked i i really think the mental health pair there's this other kind of problem of mental health and philosophy like we've lost philosophy as a society mm-hmm. and i think this is like this is this is the bigger problem mental health has come to be like a enemy of consciousness and i mm. think i think that I think that uh, Deleuze knew this, every anti psychiatrist person knows this. But this yeah. mental the mental health signifier is like an enemy of thought because it, it teaches you to be hypersensitive and to define yourself by a dead category and it's it's a uh, you know, to have to have philosophy raised to um, to general consciousness. I would say maybe, maybe more so in France, not really. But like this this would be the primary goal. Like a psychopolitics. It would Mm -hmm. be better to have like a general theory politic. Psychopolitics could be like your like Todd McGowan types, Mm. you know, or like the these that's that's good. That's good, but that's like that's only part of what needs to happen, which is like people need to become informed about philosophy. We we could become, I would say. Becoming an advocate for philosophy itself is mm. a good is is like a virtue, or like a good cause, right? Yeah. Um, because the world kind of encourages a stunted uh, s- sort of way of living, uh, y- y- you know. Um, so, you know, since kind of the Victorian era to. Uh, you know part you know capitalist excess to pure like stunted trad to hippie like you know 60s stuff this is is all this is fine like this is what world history is to some extent but wouldn't it be great if the history of philosophy was on the same level of consciousness of general consciousness right yeah um yeah that would be ideal i
2: think (laughs) That's a bit of a Hegelian optimism <laughs> that I love. That I'm absolutely for.
1: <laughs> it is a bit of Hegelian optimism, but it's but it's also knowing that like I have a limit of personal virtue and in, in in this sort of thing, I think I I am like kind of like I <laughs> I don't know like my personal like the inner. I have the kid. speaking of like Zizek, I have the Kinder Surprise, you know, that his Kinder Surprise Uh, example, right? Yeah, (laughs) like the inner depth of the person is their intuition and their symptoms. But one way to like get to the outside so we can enjoy the chocolate, the chocolate of this is like philosophy. You know, this is like the surface of what we're talking about and to become kind of advocates for philosophy in general and to practice philosophy and expand the scope of philosophy. And psychology insofar as it's philosophy, right? This is like this is what I think is important. And politics. And I, I think, you know, not to underestimate that that involves politics as well. Um Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know? I think so. um it's one of those things where it's like the I, I really like the point that you brought up that, you know, it almost seems like in culture, like philosophy has lost its place. It's kind of been dethroned. Um, especially in the united states i mean around the world but especially in the united states because of uh, americans you know profound interest in pragmatism just in general yeah. and how that takes form and the sciences um and these like atomized um institutions like you know economics is more important than um you know like philosophy or like the medical field the the categorization of ailments um you know and that all has to do with uh big pharma um so it's a lot of these things that um you know you can you we can if we choose to analyze society yeah we can kind of see all these um what do they call um, these ailments of society we could call them but i think by um by diagnosing society at large with, you know, this like Protestant work ethic, the capitalist realism, subjectivity, um, I think I think it's less maybe to try to advocate for a um, psychopolitics and more for like a, a return to like a romantic philosophy. Um, mm. I like how you bring up this, this search of virtue and to some degree, right? Because, you know, that's how you kind of go into the TradCath pipeline. Um, <laughs> Treadcath Pipeline, the, ser-
1: the, the, the search of virtue. I i got into that simply because Justin Murphy's amusing. Like, oh, yeah. I think, like, this is like the intuitive psychoanalyst. I am authentically amused by him. And then Doug Lane was like, Oh, initially, oh, don't talk with Justin Murphy. I was like, Why? But he's like funny. Yeah. <laughs> like, why wouldn't I talk with him? You know, and then.
0: I've had that anyone. same same reaction with a lot of my friends. They're like, Why do you like Justin? and why do you defend him? I'm like, Well, I don't really defend him. I just think I think he's really funny, uh, amusing is a really <laughs> really apt point. And, um, and he's
1: smart. I feel like when people like chew over some they have like a personal kind of neurosis and they're searching for like a certain authenticity of being, this is like this is philosophy, right? So it's like that it's you know, land has the famous kind of maxim that capitalism is intelligence, but yeah. if you look at actual society, capitalism definitely encourages stupefaction <laughs> in quite yeah. a in quite a lot of ways. You know, um, technology isn't equivalent with the reflection on technology. Um, it's like the the landian supposed anegoic capitalism is. You know I think the the other side of that Mobius strip is this kind of st- general stupefaction that every American encounters very palpably when trying to discuss anything at depth or uh, and I, I think people around the world, of course, do as well. I, I know for a fact yeah. that Americans do.
0: I really like <laughs> I really like that you bring that up because um, you know it, it is you know, for whatever Nick Lance says about capitalism, you know, it's intelligence insofar as like you take individual, how do you call them? Like individual processes that occur in the mind that get synthesized by the human subject. And it's like, okay, well, capitalism abstract those and, you know, actualizes them in like material substrate. So yeah, sure. Let's say capitalism is intelligence. But then it's like you mentioned, there's no, there's no synthesis. There's no synthesis of that taking, there's no Skynet AI bot. So if you take one yeah. of those processes and actualize it in the substrate, you're going to get you're going to get fucking mukbangs on fucking TikTok. Like that's all <laughs> that's all it creates. So it might be super complex and it might actualize a particular like it might optimize for a particular flow to use a delusional yeah. term. But it doesn't
1: Well, well he's anti he's <laughs> anti-philosophy and all the other things that he's anti. He's anti-philosophy. I mean, he's anti-human mm-hmm. reflection, and this is actually a big problem. And it, you know, his idea is uh, human reflection equals the SJWs who I don't like or whatever. But right. this is like no, it's 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 a it's much wider than a, a simple political party. It's like a general stupefaction of world spirit, uh, which is yeah. w- which can be countered by bring raising philosophy to a higher level in general consciousness and not. Not creating a pop philosophy, You know, you get like the Jordan Petersons of the world, and this is like this is philosophy for a lot of people, you know. Um, yeah. And you know, most people don't even have that. Uh, my wife's mom, she said, "Oh, I heard the psychologist," and immediately, immediately <laughs> was like, "Was it Jordan Peterson?" It was Jordan Peterson. She's like in her sixties. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> you know, this is this is this is when when people that are involved in uh, communities and there's like a general conservative community this is like what people are exposed to I don't think people that are in uh, middle class liberal communities or working class left communities if there are working class left communities I don't know I guess I guess (laughs) there are I feel I feel like I feel like reaction working class is very like in vogue lately at least I've seen yeah um (laughs) um, (laughs) Uh, but yeah, in terms of like any any sort of left working class politics, I don't know if there is a general philosophy but besides general, you know, fuck the system ideology, which is fine, you know, in itself, but something there needs to be something else like uh, in general. Because we were talking about Nick Land, I went on the Twitter and I saw. he said UFO war, and then I looked up the UFOs, and apparently there's UFOs being shot down. Yeah. Do you know anything about this? What, <laughs> what the fuck is happening?
2: <laughs> somebody, somebody just sent me that too. Maybe it's China. Maybe, Maybe it's, China it's just another it's another serious. weather balloon. You know, another I
0: think that's part balloon. of like this whole psyop thing, where I think <laughs> they knew that they were gonna like start doing fucking balloons and ufos and all this shit and so they released the documents so that we weren't we were all ready for when we fucking saw the the chinese balloons
2: yeah i think that's i think that's a really good take on that (laughs) i think they they had to prep us for some crazy covert (laughs) covert technology
0: well i just think it's part of like the like the u.s u.s hegemony is finally starting to show uh like fracturing i think that multi-polar multi-polarization is definitely something that's like within the horizon with world powers like russia and china kind of mean like fuck you us we don't give a fuck about what you have to say anymore yeah um and i think yeah like china flying those balloons overhead i think the reason why they released those docs. i think uh in part is sure it's a psyop but i think it's a psyop in this in the sense that um in In a way, it's almost kind of saying, like, if China and Russia are doing these things, it's because we're allowing it. It's because we' we've, right. we've already know like it's to con to perpetuate this narrative that uh, somehow it's still within the structure of like u s mm-hmm. foreign intervention, like constant police state of the u s u um, s. intervention. and I think that's why. That's why they release the docs to make it seem it's, like they... it's
1: all under it's all under control. Yeah, we ha- this, right. Like, that that's the Nick Land idea that it's the kid with the fake steering wheel. are doing the <laughs> kid with the, It's like I am driving.
0: No, mom I... and dad. <laughs> no, I definitely. I think, think that's <laughs> that's what's happening, but I don't know.
2: I think the interesting part too, just about all this, and especially Nick Land, um, going off of what we were talking about last time, is you're so right that like the the whole stupefaction idea with capitalism is so ironic when you're talking to like Nick land who's like you know really into dysgenics you know and bad genetics and yet capitalism to me is is and I think just objectively the most dysgenic force in human history you know
0: this
1: dysgenic uh, in what sense as that it it's it, <laughs> so it, it selects for negative negative genes. Like, Let's collect for negative genes. You know, Hegel would say spirit is a bone. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Even though Nick Land wouldn't say that. But I mean, I, I don't know. Intelligent people have really stupid ontologies and epistemologies, you know.
0: Well, I Odd think that's the that thing works. with intelligent people, like super high IQ people, is that I think they have the most fucking norm core, like, aestheticization of like like phenomenology like the way that they see the world is Mm. almost like they drink their own fucking Kool-Aid so sure they create these like programs they create these psyops but it's almost in a way like they drink what they produce
2: So they're on their own Kool-Aid
0: yeah like they they get high off of their own supply and, um, at least with a stupid stupidification I think that um, I think even like Nick Land, like, so that's why I like some of Lance earlier writings is because he was like much more sober in terms yeah. <laughs> well, maybe even not Even though he sober. was on meth? <laughs> yeah. yeah. He
1: was on, he was on meth, but the meth made him sober. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> no, I, I really think there is something to that. Um, maybe he was like, what's it called? I think that there's like that interview with Robin McKay where he was like, I think he, Robin McKay says that he like smoked weed to, um what is it called, to self-medicate his anxiety? Yeah. Um, uh-huh. But whatever, that's just a tangent. Uh, what I was going to say is that um, I think that, like, for example, like Kant, what is it, Kant Capital and the Prohibition of Incest, mm. where it's like the, you know, it's, it's but you can see some of the early, some of that, some of those writings have an early inclination towards, like, his later thought in teleoplexia. Yeah, de- like like def-
1: a, it's definitely in that one. I recall that one, and he calls. He, I remember in in that famed nomina, like they're like, oh, he used to be not reactionary. It's like, well, in that he talks about how yeah. it's equivalent to incest to be
0: with someone who's like of a different ethnicity, right? Yeah, this is like the same thing as and, incest. And then he he generalizes, <laughs> you know, like how 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 would this come about? And it's like, you know, it's fucking it's the transcendental Kantian aesthetic of of global philosophy that makes that happen. Um, you know, it's that, that a priori recognition of the other as something uh, grotesque or whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah. And so it's always like but, always beforehand knowing how the other is going to react. The,
1: the, the land that I think of that makes me, that really makes me think TM is a uh, plague rats. Although I forget what that's from. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, that was yes, one of yes. his
0: um oh, I think I think that was when he was a graduate student at Warwick. Um,
1: yeah. So like this is like a good anti this is like a nice process-based analogy of like the rat disease vectors. I th- I yeah. think he doesn't he tries to keep it materialist, which is ironic. Um strange i guess for a right-wing person but he does try to be <laughs> materialist in terms of what does the disease vector actually do and the plague rats are really interesting because i don't know if how much he talks about this but in england for instance you know if you didn't die of plague you would then suddenly own three different like farms and things like that so it really it really did fuck with capital quite significantly uh yeah the bubonic plague yeah uh,
2: that was crazy. <laughs>
1: yeah, but there's other things that probably move like disease vectors besides diseases. I don't know. This is where you. This is where yeah. you get it gets like esoteric and it's not so easy to pin down. Well, then in you terms get
0: of, you get like yeah. things like superstition too. Like that's where I think like like materialist analyses of anything are always going to be like generally reduc- reductive. So like yeah, they 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 have a lot of explicating power. um So for example, like you mentioned the you know. N- The neo feudal lords, you know, they would die off, and then some random third generation farmer would end up with all the property. Yeah. Um, But then it's like, okay, well, that doesn't explain why they still people still spread the bubonic plague is because they didn't even know how um, how it spread. They knew it was something to do with uh, like pestilence, like rats and, and shit like that. But they didn't. They didn't have a materialist understanding of um how that it was the, uh, it was the
1: witches and the jews which is to say right. the catholics and the jews
0: yeah yeah you know? and it's like okay well you're literally lynching like some of the cleanest <laughs> cleanest society <laughs> cleanest <laughs> society so i think uh you know it's your own your own superstition that uh, was your undoing which is completely separate to materialism i think that's where you know more right-wing forces you know it's like they're your idealism well, they have no, you know, when you're a
1: positivist materialist, you don't have room to think of the nothingness of your own thought. You know, you don't yeah. have like. At what point does Lance say, "Well, maybe this is where ego functions positively"? Like, it doesn't. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You, no,
0: know, I you,
1: think you, you don't. You don't have like a temper to to your rhetoric. It he functions as a cause for right. Like he is like this. He's like a leader of right wing reactionary thought primarily. Yeah. Like not not philosophy or better thinking in general. Um, I think he promotes philosophy because like some of the stuff he says is interesting. Um, but I mean primarily he says you know right talking points at this point, right? <laughs> um, It's it's I, I you know what also I find interesting about Land is like mm-hmm. the numerology. I wonder yeah. like like the numerology uh, which is like absolute schizophrenia it makes me it doesn't make me worry about Nick land or numerology. It makes me worry about rationality. Yeah and I, I wonder to what extent like rationality is as schizophrenic as numerology that's that's what that's why that makes me like nervous. <laughs> you yeah. know yeah. Uh, at what point do we think we're doing rationality but we're doing like landian numerology? digit counting
0: and all that i shit. think that's one of the points that and i i i don't i don't want to say that i disagree a lot but i really don't like this character um sometimes on twitter uh Bot, um uh, where, yeah. where he mentions he, that <laughs> you know all of nick land's project is to kind of like re uh, revitalize um like you know quote unquote rationalism um i think you're 100 percent right elliot i think that um I think that it's kind of weird that not weird, but I think there's this, there's this deep trend, this this dream, deep entrenchment at which, you know, where you, you think you're uncovering um, something profound. You're getting access to the absolute. You're uncovering the noumena.
1: Well, it's the beyond. Yeah. It's the beyond. It's like, he's trying to, he's trying to divine messages from, I, I, I can't, I like can't in good consciousness use cool lingo. Like I'm too, like, I feel like I have to stick with, <laughs> with normcore like but it is from the beyond right so he doesn't he does because he doesn't read hegel even though he is intelligent and reads kant in a very kind of strict but kind of off way if he did read hegel he'd understand that this beyond thing this nominal realm which he says is this kind of unknown realm and he kind of worships right this is exactly what hegel annihilates or tries to annihilate, this is, like, what rationalism is. Like, Nick Land is not a rationalist. Like, Combot is just, like, especially, like, says stupid shit. He's more <laughs> yeah. like, he, he's a lot more like a poet or, like, you know, or, or a comic, like Kant-bot. Um But, like, to call Nick Land a rationalist is, like, to just say he, like, once in a while he, like, has a train of thought, which yeah, is rational. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's not, like, for Combot who's, like, pure just, like, Anyway, but yeah, I mean, the nominal beyond, right? To think in a Hegelian sense about the beyond is to positivize the beyond as a concept and kind of see. This is why I like. I like that there's um, a, a big account called Beyond. You know, everyone knows Beyond. Wo- beyond woke and problematic. Everyone yeah. in the Twitter sphere knows. They all love him, except Luke Turner, Meta Modern, yeah, guy yeah, <laughs> who called him anti. I really felt as a Jew, it was my place to be the token Jew defending beyond woke yeah. and problematic. But I mean, even the beyond signifier as positive, like from Nisha, beyond good and evil, it's like, it's like a specific kind of mode of being. And beyond woke and problematic is like a space, I would say it's a philosophical mode of being. It's like a humorous philosophical mode of being, which is yeah. very counter- to metamodernism which i don't like metamodernism because it is this kind of dead david foster wallace you know rest in peace david foster wallace but like new authenticity is a dead it's it's done like we cannot we cannot we cannot think philosophically or intelligently and also be like thinking in the vein of uh new authenticity or whatever so i think this is like really the clash between like luke luke turner and uh and uh the beyond woke uh, signifier uh, guy <laughs> you know uh but but yeah so land, land land has a negative realm like land loves to put like abstract negatives like like here's all the people who think this and they're an abstract negative here is right. like what an ego is it's an abstract negative here's therapy speech abstract negative here is uh r- here's race or intelligence right. abstract negative And this is this is how he thinks this is this is the Kantian mode of beyond not as like not as within rationality, but as but as factual. And this is like the problem of of uh, of the of the nomina. Sorry. Sorry, Q. (laughs) This this. this, Well, this is the Hegelian challenge to the nomina, which is to say beyond is is um, is is not purely is not purely nothingness.
0: Yeah, right. I think that's a a very, um, it's very symptomatic <laughs> of like anglicized uh, delusionism, which mm. you know it's um and I say anglicized because it's a particular, uh, reading of Kantian philosophy. So it's not that it's inherent to Kantianism. It's kind right. of like a post, post Kantian in the sense of like Saul Kripke, um, what's his, what's a, uh, like Sellers like these analytic philosophers, so taking what they claim as substantive, uh, like materialist agnostic materialist uh, formulations of Kantianism, injecting that into Deleuzean theory. And then what you get is, you know, this very like Kantian um, reading of Deleuze, where it's like- uh, Kantian in
1: air quotes, in case people are listening. Yes,
0: Kantian in air quotes. Which is, you know, you get this, um, you get this delusionism, which it, which is kind of like, it it always points you you mentioned this, like, you know, this this barrier, this beyond, or this negative. Um, The way that I like to posit it is that it's this, this quote unquote fascism that delusions, or like, to use egoistic terms, it's a spook, right? It's the spook that, that you point to. It's that empty signifier and then instead of you know combating it or uh trying to uncover what it is or sublating it into your
1: Uh, understanding the infinity of the moment of your moment of negativity
0: yeah yes (laughs) (laughs) um instead of you know trying to actually um you know come to the causal chains or whatever you want to say um to uncover it what you do is you kind of just um in a way, you incorporate it back into your system, but instead of like giving its due diligence to uncover it, you end up, you end up replicating the same. You end up like what is it called? Absorbing, it, its negativity, and then, um, like projecting it. Like you, you end up being the thing that you're calling out. Um, yeah. So like with Nick Land, you know, it's kind of like this whole thing. His trajectory from uh, like liberationalist, anarchist, anarcho-sympathetic uh, position to this like right wing boomer shit poster on Twitter. um in a way that he kind of like he kind of set himself up, he kind of set that teleology up from the from his inception as a as a critical theorist. Like it, that was always his trajectory in a way. even when you read his yeah. earliest writings, It was always there.
1: Yeah, definitely. It is. I think one of the things that people in the U.S. don't realize is how common, I would say, Nick Land's reactionary kind of thought is in the U.K. I was kind of shocked by it, (laughs) getting in the U.K. Uh, And I can see why he kind of goes in this direction. I think that's because there's a lot of people to kind of like bolster him. You know the the reactionary current in the UK is very self-assured, uh, and it doesn't doesn't face a lot of challenge. It is like communal uh, pockets that doesn't necessarily go into the political sphere. So I th- I could having lived in the UK now for almost two years, I can I can see how land could easily come from an Anglo tradition or an Anglo applying of Kant. To like basic Anglo prejudice, <laughs> you know what I mean. It's like, what if I take my basic Anglo prejudice and then do philosophy to it? Which this this goes back to the diet. This is the ultimate Hegelian Illuminati point, which is at least at least they're doing philosophy to it, you know? Yeah. Because the goal <laughs> the goal is we're raising all of the world in an Illuminati sense to to synthesize or whatever or to sublate uh, philosophy with 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 whatever your whatever your prejudice is all 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 prejudice as well
0: (laughs) no i think i think that's why you know there's a lot of thinkers that have come up that i think really recognize this point it's kind of like this true anti-liberalism which liberalism kind of posits this like smug like everyone like this uh what is it called Uh, uh blanking the like blanca rasa tabula rasa of Mm. Rousseau, where it's like everyone like your psyche is empty it's zero you always start at zero it's not until like you develop in the in the social contract that you you these biases can arise everyone's kind of like there's a blank slate at which you start but i think thinkers like dugan and agamben they kind of point that like no there is an aesthetic there how would would he say there is an aesthetic to everyone's philosophy or even yeah or even like uh, an aesthetic ontology by which um you you do view the world it's kind of like you mentioned it's like that whole idea of like the the uk you know it's kind of like the they have like this landian aesthetic that everyone's almost like sympathetic to and it's like at what point is it is it an imagined aesthetic and not like an actual ontologized um framework by which like people in the uk actually work like that's like that's their like anglo realism or whatever well yeah i mean that's in this that's the
1: discussion of ideology isn't it which is they're all they're all swimming in ideology with kind of the same points and uh, to what extent land brings philosophy to the, the already existing like anglo ideology although i would say no, I would. I almost, I almost try to excuse like Anglo racism. I was like, maybe it's not like racist. It's like what they really like is like nationalist chauvinism. But I think it is just like concentrated, you know, Anglo ideology plus like this, like you said, the Anglo reading of Kant uh, with uh, um Yeah, uh, but like ultimately, uh, like like I was saying, young, uh, pre- previously, which was. Uh, ultimately, in the Hegelian sense, the ultimate Illuminati goal is to just raise philosophy to the general discourse as, yeah. uh, uh, and raise the level of uh, political discourse and intellectual discourse in general. So, uh, you know, all, all ideology is welcome to take, take up philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how I feel about it. I think a lot of people would disagree, especially Marx and marxists obviously. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that's I why like... i call myself a socialist instead of a marxist as well because i believe there's a social good to to bringing philosophy to these levels and encouraging philosophical thought um and i don't think so, <laughs> so.
0: i feel like there's like um like a, like not a problem but like you can definitely see it with currents of like you mentioned earlier like pop philosophy and it's and it's fine i'm not saying it's bad i do a lot of pop philosophy in my personal writings and things like that um but i think there is like a almost like a gross like psyop in which like by creating like this you, it's under the guise the ideological guise of like um making philosophy like um what is it called like uh like democratizing philosophy in a way and you know to some degree it's like yeah we should we should like you mentioned propagate philosophy philosophy should permeate there should be this return quote unquote return with a v um to you know raise I, that.
1: yeah it, it is a bit return with the v kind of vibe
0: but for <laughs> philosophy but i feel like with with um pop <laughs> philosophy it's almost kind of like it's just they critique and they I'm just going to throw everyone that does it on Twitter, they critique uh, this like this hyper commoditization of everything, but they fail to realize that they do the same thing with their own thoughts you've you've packaged your your thought your your own individuated thought, which is unique um, it's a unique yeah. perspective. Well you know there's zJac argument about the plus like
1: the plus is not simply stand for everything it stands for. Uh, difference itself like non uh, you know it stands for a specific thing and like pop philosophy like Peterson stands for like a specific thing he's not a promoter of philosophical thought neither is the long haired guy you know on, who's the physics guy you know the gray long haired physics guy I forget his name Micho is it or
2: Steven Pinker or?
0: Yeah.
1: no yeah but like Steven Pinker is another one yeah um, there's lots of people who integrate natural science with you know some sort of whoa, bro, uh, wow, that's far out, man! I'm <laughs> like, wow, can you believe that? Uh, you know, from conservatives to you know Bill Nye, like not to shit on Bill Nye, everyone likes Bill Nye. But, <laughs> I mean, but it, but it, it's worth saying that they don't promote philosophy as such. Um, they promote science as such, or you know conservatism as such. And we should we should I would say. Are, I, I would say, uh, as as respected Twitter connoisseurs, you know, maybe we should maybe we should make our goal to to promote philosophy as such uh, for everybody. And this this is the true. Like, if you're concerned about dysgenics and IQ, maybe you should, you know, take a little of that sauce off. You know, you're really lo- you're lost in the sauce. <laughs> <laughs> you know take some of that sauce away and think about uh really consider the fact that spirit is a bone you know return with the v to like what like ancient athens maybe but also you know this is the the it's still like we haven't seen a properly philosophical uh political society yeah. um this this is like this is like a big problem because we're doing politics without ground we're doing it with cap with pragmatic capitalist realism uh pull yourself up by the bootstraps hierarchically judged by how many you know funny points you have in the bank uh and this is like this this is this and what you know this is kind of what class knowledge is a little bit but mm. you needs but i i think everybody at this point realizes we need something like a little bit more than class consciousness we Like, what is it? It's not just proletariat knowing itself as proletariat. It's it's this other thing, which is it's, you know, philosophical thinking raised to a higher level. So people can can think through their stupid positions, you know, (laughs) like I'd love I'd love if the DSA was a rational body. Like I'd love if the, the DSA made any sense whatsoever. You know, yeah. like like they have some <laughs> they have some good like critiques once in a while, but I'd really I'd really like for the DSA to to like outline what policing should be rather than pure like anti police like this is like my own personal kind yeah. of stuff. But at least have be able to like have the ground to have a debate of what what is authority, how should authority be used, uh, what, is society, what is what is what is what is like a kind of integration with community society these government bodies right like this is like a like a something i would like people to be able to do yeah
2: but
1: but maybe they they can't yet because we're in this kind of like masturbatory uh you know non-reflective uh mode where people can't debate each other because you know because them damn sjw's (laughs) but also them damn them damn triggered neo-nazis can't talk to each other
0: Timeline, so. time li- time timeline, timeline, realism. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think the DSA
2: really died. I mean, for a lot of people, but I think for me, especially the scene from like the DSA convention, I think really encapsulated like how impotent that par- that party would really be when you see that, you know, this is supposed to be like, here's our platform. Like, here's what we represent. And the only thing that that shows is that these people. They couldn't govern a Waffle House if they had to, you know, like the petty infighting about words at that convention was so, yeah, it was so horrific, too, of just being like, this is a party, like, like, you guys think you can govern, you know, it's like, oh, the impotency of it really made me sad. Yeah.
1: Could You think, would it even be possible in any sense of the word, like, that the DSA have a conversation of what is governance?
2: Right. There's right. No like chance. in a very
1: basic level. This is like something you should be able to talk about. What is the yes. responsibility of government? <laughs> you know, it's like right. way beyond like the framework of any any it is it is purely like caught up in the concrete minutiae of uh you know hysteria. We need, Yeah, it we, is
2: very hysterical. That that
1: that's why we need psycho psychopolitics would be doing philosophy to this, would be establishing the ground. Of philosophy, this but this is clinical psychology politics, not like you get like ah here's staying with the negative kind of this is the symptoms, but like as a clinical psychologist or psycho, sorry psychotherapist, I can't help but to want, um, you know, to fix it somehow or dream of like a way it
0: could be fixed. I think Zhijik brings point to that, which is like, and I think that's where there's a distinct separation where it's like, you know, it's philosophy philosophers in a way philosophers are really good at this and in a way they should just stick to this which is the um uh you know like pointing out the ailments in a society but i think then yeah it's a task of you know like clinicians or you know someone else to actually like or or even like like psychopolitics in like a concrete sense like not not like philosophers but people who actually can can be like okay well ideology aside we're going to ground our our political movement under this and you know we're going to stick to these principles or we're going to stick to these values and actually create or implement material change like at the end of the day um i think that's the problem with you know with the dsa which is like you know they're hysteric to the point where they can't they can't even have like you mentioned a conversation about governance because it's like oh well i don't want to hurt anyone's feelings or governance is and it's is fundamentally is yeah yeah yeah, it's too, it's for them, it's, it, they always, they keep, they, they defer to the most, to the next most abstract thing. And so it's like, at some point you do have to lay foundational groundwork to actually Categor- function.
1: You know, ret- return to, return with the Vita Kant. In terms of categories, <laughs> in terms of, yeah, you do need to actually expand what it is you're doing and find this maybe higher category of what it is you're doing. You know, I'm, I'm doing revolution. Revolution in what sense? You're doing scientific revolution. You're doing governmental. Okay, you're doing governmental evolution. So you're doing gov- governance. So what should governance consist of? What should law consist of? Like right. this is this is like too much. Like we we are like lost in the interpersonal. Like kind of what's I don't know if there's capitalist realism. Maybe there's like I think there's like ignorance realism. <laughs> like we think uh people are too ignorant to ever really hold philosophy or to like be okay with doing philosophy with each other but like maybe this is like the the next realism to overcome which is like we have to at somehow get past ignorance realism a little bit i don't know but i do i do have some strong ignorance realism with the dsa but maybe maybe that'll change you know <laughs> maybe overcoming how much everybody hates each other.
0: Yeah. In, in, in a way. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think, I think that's like, a, I think that's why I like, uh, Tzijik's POV about like, you know, Christian atheism. It's like at some point, yeah, you kind of have to like cast aside super, super like rationalist thinking or whatever, like just articulating being articulate and kind of just like developing a radical agape where you're like, yeah, fuck it. Like whatever. There's a sense of solidarity in the fact that, you just have to overcome thinking that someone's a piece of shit or that they're, they're stupid or whatever. It's like they might be stupid, but at the end of the day, you have to work together to, to get anything done.
1: Yeah, well, we can do philosophy with other people. If, if you think somebody's too ignorant or too this or that or you hate them too much, maybe try to do philosophy with them or try to do a dialogue with them. Try to, try to talk with them about basic things about what what they think you know what they're thinking you don't have to be like super ego police of them you can it is better to just talk with somebody you know you know like the the black guy who went to the clan rallies like that guy <laughs> <laughs> this is, he's like a good like world spirit on horseback for what you need to be. you need to be like that black guy talking to like the Klan's people and doing philosophy he he's like oh why do you think that oh funny you should ask well and then you know, at least at least being a, being able to to establish like a ground of discourse is like more. I think people know this. People like complain about cancel culture. People complain about um a free speech and all that. But like, what I think people are really thirsting for is just a ground of this kind of like
0: profound discourse, rational discourse. I think part of that too is just like. Uh, i think a lot of people are so soph- sophists in a way like they they do get Sorry. caught they do get caught up in this I, this idea that you know it's like they can't have a rational or an articulate uh conversation with you know any any old old joe off the street um because it's like it's you know like you mentioned this this ignorance the um, this ignorance realism which like they would never understand they would never Um, they would never or or even like the speech that you use right so you you mentioned like this like radical norm core (laughs) way to that you express yourself and it's like at the end of the day um you you have to make you have to be let your language be legible like you have to
1: yeah
0: be in conversation
1: yeah you can't just be talking to yourself
0: (laughs) true
1: i mean but you also can't talk to yourself it's that's that's
0: that's the dialogue (laughs) I think we went through quite a bit. Um, Any plug-ins that you'd want to throw in, Elliot? Anything working behind you? Yeah, so
1: I'm starting uh, a politics and psychology uh, uh, YouTube podcast. After all that pitch for philosophy specifically, I know we recorded the first episode. It's just politics and psychology. I'll probably end up talking more philosophy after that, but called Bomb Squad Psych. It's called Bomb Squad Psych. You know, like a bomb squad, but with like psych going to the event, <laughs> yeah. going to the event and diffusing or whatever, going to the event and like attending to it. So that's that's uh the latest project. It's it's gonna be mostly a topic-driven podcast with sparse guests just because it's such a pain in the ass to get guests. At. I don't need to tell you. Uh yeah. <laughs> uh. So uh that's I'm doing that with my friend Adam. The first one is that there's no such thing as free speech absolutism that's the Mm -hmm. first that's the first one we've recorded and it was based off of me hearing magnus carlson say kind of offhand oh i'm a free speech absolutist when he's doing like blitz chess and i was like i was like he just threw that out there and like didn't expand when you know when magnus carlson being like high iq super genius says something it almost makes me it gives me pause i'm like well what does that mean um And I looked up further and he's promoting like this Trump aid social media as well. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, so
1: he is like fully lost in the sauce of free speech, you know, and this is like the world number one chess player, obviously super high IQ guy. Right. Um, but this is like, we, we discussed the class character of free speech absolutism and that there is, you know, you cannot simply like, uh, say, uh, that, that free speech is the is the highest categorical issue. And we talked a little bit about uh, what, you know, free speech in the context of justice in the context of free speech being a negative right for the government not to interfere and what the difference is between people making spaces and you being able to not be kicked out, which is its own form. And so we, we talk all about that. There's, there's no such thing as free speech free speech absolutism because it's good to know that because people call for that all the time. Yeah. Right. Uh, so that'll be on my youtube which is the elliot rosenstock youtube and if you subscribe that would be good because i'm like 126 away from like monetization so everyone oh, wow. subscribe everyone subscribe to elliot rosenstock youtube <laughs>
0: yeah you guys subscribe heard it us, you guys, st- yeah, youtube you guys heard it here first you guys better subscribe <laughs> I, we get at least that many at least that many listeners so there yeah, should definitely <laughs> be be, the, be enough people yeah. there to subscribe yeah yeah, cool. yeah,
2: it's really great to have you on, Elliot, and I, I do uh, recommend our listeners pick up both of your books um, from Zero Books. Um, feel free I'm to only... pirate it. Okay, yeah, or steal it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, feel free to steal it. I encourage it, even. Oh, or, or buy it if you really feel the need to have a hard copy, but yeah. I don't know.
0: <laughs> and then also follow... Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll have this linked um, in the Twitter post, but also follow... Uh Elliot's Substack. Uh, a lot of great insights there. A lot of some some really good posts. Um I try yeah, to promote if you, want, it.
1: if you want to see self-reflective becoming autism at at its best, philosophy. <laughs> that is that is my that is the substack. It's definitely expounding the dialectical egoism theory one post at a time. So if you if you like egoism, if you like dialectics, if you like philosophy subscribe to it and then 21st century synthesis
0: i I completely forgot to ask you this during the podcast so um probably not a good probably not a good place to to put it right at right at the end but uh what's Uh what's your relation to to vaporwave
1: (laughs) what's my relation to vaporwave (laughs) it just kind of looks like cool it kind of says it's like a little bit different i feel like it gets Bit a little bit, but it's but it's it's I don't know. It's it. it I think it's a tribute to the virtuality of uh, this discourse a little bit, you know.
0: No, I, def- I definitely I, And I think it does
1: reference classics, you know. I think there's there's a need to do uh, to retake kind of classical, uh, you know, philosophy, aesthetics, and so on in a way that's not purely reactionary, uh, so. I, I would like to consider myself a part of that. Nice. So that would be my relation
0: with Vaporwave. Very, very, um, very close. I, I We try to do that with a lot of the the podcast um, yeah. art too, so.
1: Yeah, I, I also contribute to, what is it, Vectroid's uh, Patreon. So that's my, I do financially support Vaporwave <laughs> as well. So <laughs> side hmm. note.
0: All right. Well, it was a pleasure having you on, Elliot. And um, if everyone that's still listening, thank you so much for joining us this week, and we'll definitely uh, appreciate it. So if you, you know, already follow us, uh, make sure to leave a like, and if you can, subscribe, share with your friends. Um, but we'll see you in the next one.